0: Was the redhead that took the 90s by storm The one, the only, Jody Messina Emily, welcome
1: My favorite, thank you Thanks for uh, having me come on and talk about Maybe one of my favorite albums of all time The bold statement, considering I was four years old when it came out But uh, still holds true
0: But yeah, when you're four or five years old That's probably when you start actually remembering some of the music and songs and you hear them the next couple of years. So it makes total sense. Uh, this episode of the album collection, we're tackling Jody Messina's sophomore album. I'm all right. And yeah, if you, if you don't know which songs are on it, we'll let you know, but that gives you a little clue as to the quality of the songs that are on this. It was released in 1998. So Emily was four years old Uh, it is her highest selling album of hers to date. Um, and it is certified two times platinum. So I think it did pretty well for her.
1: It probably should have won like album of the year at some point, but I get the nineties were rich with heavyweight albums and stuff. So it's all right. I'm kind of okay with it being like, it was so good in its time and sometimes it's forgotten about now like you you'll, you'll recognize some of the singles but as a whole the album like doesn't miss a beat with any of the songs in my very biased opinion
0: and <laughs> okay we we interesting we'll we'll get there later well i'm not disagreeing with you but i'm just going to play a little devil's advocate we'll get there Hang in there I don't know, It's it's my job as an annoying brother uh, oh. So We talk about the songwriters And we gotta talk about Our main guy, Phil Vassar <laughs> yeah. Right? I mean This this is where he, he got his start really I mean he was He was a songwriter yeah. in the 90s You know, he got a couple cuts from Colin Ray Tim McGraw And then two On this album with I'm Alright and Bye Bye that just, I mean, he gets <laughs> the album named after the song. That's always cool, I think. Yeah, but I don't know what. I mean, it's Phil. What, what more do we need to say?
1: Right, and like honestly, the the two songs. So I asked uh, a few of my friends before we did this, like, what would be your favorite Jody Messina song, and. Some said, like, Heads Carolina, but otherwise the answer was either Bye Bye or I'm All Right. Like, those are the two songs that if you would ask someone, name a Jody Messina song, they'd probably pick one of those two, which, like, Phil, okay, getting one song on an album that's, like, massive and getting two. So, yeah, Phil's our guy. He kind of did it for Jody, I guess.
0: Yeah, I think he got paid pretty well from this. I'm gonna guess too.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, yeah, no kidding. But no, you mentioned. I mean, both sing both songs that he wrote for the album got released as singles, and we'll talk about it in a bit. But I think they absolutely nailed the singles that were released to the radio for the most part. Uh, yeah. Other songwriters, uh, there's not a lot of names that really stood out. Um, call it a few of them: uh, John Scott, Cheryl. Uh, he has a bunch of rights. Um, he wrote The Church on Cumberland Road. He wrote Brooks and Dunn's How Long Gone and Josh Turner's Would You Go With Me. Uh, another one is Stephen Dale Jones. A lot of three named guys on here. Uh, he wrote Diamond Rio's One More Day. And fast forward many years, he wrote uh, Jordan Davis's Single You Up. So, um, yeah, so other than that, a majority of the songwriters on here are songwriters that were writing for artists in the 70s, 80s and early 90s. Uh, there's not a lot of them have cuts too many years after this, which I think is interesting. Um, I know the, there is one on here. The Where is his name in my notes here? So his name is Mark Cohn. And he's the original songwriter and artist of Walking in Memphis. So there Damn. there were some, some big hitters in here. Uh, there are just a lot of songwriters of songs from the, yeah, the 70s, 80s, 90s. And we're kind of moving into a different-sounding country, which I think, I'm assuming, probably affected why we don't hear a ton of songs from these other songwriters. yeah. But. I mean,
1: it just kind of shows, though, I mean, first of all, Jodi and her team were putting together an album with, like, veteran songwriters, but then, like you said about Phil Vassar kind of being an up-and-comer at the time, and, like, taking some of his work and then believing in his songs enough to release them, um, yeah, I think you're, you're right, it's kind of like the the change from early nineties to late nineties country music is Mm -hmm. like, there's a foreseeable difference in that. And I think that's kind of right where this album fell.
0: And I think, yeah, that's one of the things that if you look up this album online, if you look at some of the lyrics and different sites and stuff, I mean, they were, they were starting to call this as a, a a good balance of a pop and country sound to it, which Mm -hmm. in hindsight is like, really like that seems (laughs) that this 90s early 2000s country but yeah you know going back to being there in the moment makes total sense there are two guys we need to talk about though the two guys that produced the album so the first one is Byron Gallimore and this guy has produced 12 of Tim McGraw's albums He has a total of 50-plus number one singles as a producer. Uh, Produced Faith Hill's Breathe album, which won a Grammy, uh, Sugarland's smash hit, Stay. He was named Billboard's Producer of the Year in 2000, 2001, and 2002. My understanding, it wasn't just like country producer, it was producer. So that dude's massive. Yeah. But then... He brings in probably his best artist he was working with at the time, Tim McGraw, to produce his album, who was friends with Jody Messina, and I, I just think that's such a cool wrinkle that isn't talked about a ton, but it's just yeah. it's cool.
1: It's kind of like whenever we talk about like greatest country duets, I always like I don't know. I get so mad at myself for forgetting Tim McGraw and Jody Messina. Bring on the rain, because that.
0: That's a smash duet. Yeah, you know it was. I mean, Tim. Tim was. I mean, he was a definitely in, a good act at this time. Uh, you know, he had tons of singles up by this point, and as we're going into the next decade, where I think he really became like a superstar. But I just, I think it's cool that he 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 actually ended up producing. Her first three albums, which we'll talk at the end, but I think those three albums are her three best, and I think af- after that things kind of went awry. I don't know why, but yeah, um, well, yeah. she
1: had some. Didn't she have uh, some substance issues, or did I just hear that incorrectly?
0: You know, that does ring a bell. She might, yeah, that could be. Yeah. I think you're right. Um, but yeah, I, the the two had known each other for a long time they had been friends i think how did the story go something like she was opening for tim or got invited to some show and talked with a producer or someone from this record label and basically said you got that tim guy on your label but you need a you need a redhead on your label too or something and <laughs> you know funny how things you know obviously that's not the only reason they signed her but right um, I, I think it's but I think it's also a feather in Tim's cap that we don't talk about. When we talk about Tim, we talk about him as, you know, one of the faces of country music. He's an actor, family guy, the whole works. But we never really talk talk about him as a producer.
1: Yeah, and, like, a good one. <laughs> like, you know, it's, it's nice we don't give him enough credit, too, because maybe he doesn't write all of his songs right. or, you know, that's the big thing today. Everyone who writes says who writes that. And that's not really how it was years ago. And so I don't know. You kind of judge people in that way, but yeah, that is cool. And I, I like that they had this friendship. I hope they still do, but I don't know. Maybe they should have put it like a duet between those two on this
0: album. I wonder. Yeah. well, I'm going to guess Faith Hill had the the first say if she wanted to do a duet with him. Wow,
1: okay, Faith.
0: <laughs> yeah, right? Way to be selfish. Yeah. It's not always about you, Faith. Uh <laughs> wow, shoot. Coming in hot. So yep. there was only one review I found, and I'm not sure if the review was written in 1998 or if it was written a few years after going back, but um, it's a longer review, so I'll just read... 30-45 seconds of it uh, It's from all music By a person named Them Jurek So I don't think that's just like a random Username I think that's The actual person so <laughs> They say On the follow up to her Self titled breakout debut Jody Messina and her production team Of Tim McGraw and Byron Gallimore Don't mess with what's Not broke Messina took two years off to get I'm All Right to fans, quite frankly, because she was so busy touring in support of her hit record. Certainly a fence post in the foundation blueprint for contemporary country records in the 21st century. I'm All Right contains 10 cuts that either walk the line between country and straight up radio friendly pop or fall just to the country side of that fence. She has an enormous voice. While she doesn't have to stretch her range much, Her sense of dynamics is a near-trademark, learned from the very best in the business. Continues, certainly the record is clean, perhaps a bit too clean, which, what the hell does that mean? The song selection is close to impeccable. Gallimore and McGraw were still finding their way with Messina here, and they hit pay dirt with their next record, 2000's Burn, where they found the perfect balance between country pop and 70's soft rock to dress Messina's voice in. End of review. Let's talk.
1: Yeah, I mean, didn't feel like a review. I don't know. (laughs) Like, shouldn't say anything bad, shouldn't say anything good, necessarily. Um, I don't know. It was kind of a boring review. Like, be biased in one way or the other. Like, I'm writing a review about this album, and I'm telling you, like, you guys listen to every song you have to listen to it because it's the best music you've ever heard. Or you're going to be like, no, it's terrible. Don't listen to anything. So whatever.
0: That's so no, okay. You're one of those pass-fail people?
1: Yeah. And I think kind of. <laughs> there can be... I don't know how to say this. But yeah, essentially, it's all going to be good or it's not. You can have like a good song on a bad album or... A bad song on a good album But usually that's just like one You don't have like half the songs are good Half the songs are bad Right?
0: <sighs> usually Yeah <laughs> I think Yeah I, I mean I could definitely see times where I can There are certain albums And I can't name any of them But there are some where Like there's a constant theme for Half of them And then the other half either has a completely different theme or they're kind of all over the place or it's like, was this added in by the record label? Cause they needed to have some radio hits. I mean, yeah. So there's, Well,
1: I can name one. Not if we're going to like deviate too much from Jody, but I'll name one. Um, center point road from Thomas Rhett was all over the place for me. Yeah. Maybe that's not how everyone took it, but it was all over the place. I couldn't, I listened to the first six songs of that album. I'm like, this is a mess. And the next song came out. I'm like, Oh, I like this one. And then it got better for me, but I still wouldn't put it as like a great album because I didn't care for like probably over half the songs.
0: That's fair. I get what you're saying now. Okay. You just don't like Thomas okay. Rhett. Um we'll come back to that <laughs> some <laughs> other time.
1: What?
0: Uh, I just gotta get that hot take on there. Ah uh, So we get to the singles and ten songs on the tra- on the album and she releases half of them to radio. Uh I love it. Bye Bye went to one, I'm Alright went to one, Stand Beside Me went to one, Lesson and Leaving almost went to one, topping out at number two, and then Because You Love Me reached number eight, and I believe that got the singles correct. Thoughts?
1: Yeah, so I mean, I did one of our write-ups a few weeks back about the like the lost singles songs that like the deep tracks and I put on there. No time for tears. Probably should have been released.
0: Yeah, I know. Um, I know. Yes.
1: But, but but that's that's okay. There's there's that's what makes a great album is there's so many good songs that they all probably could have made it to radio and been a top ten hit. Um, but they right, so I can't be mad at the ones they did choose. Uh, there's no way you can't put out a song like Bye Bye. There's no way you can't do that. Right. Um, and then even like stand beside me. <clears throat> What like a an underrated song? I know it went number one, you know, twenty years ago, but it's still such a good song. Yeah, like it hit me when I listen to it again. I'm like, man, this is so good.
0: I know. I I had, I had like an initial thought, like, holy shit! Like I love, I'm all right and bye bye, but is stand beside me? Is that is that my favorite song in the album? And it might Mm. be. It might be. Yeah. I mean, I know I'm a little biased. You might be too because Phil wrote the other two, and the other two are more energetic and something you can jam to. That just makes it a little bit more appealing. But like, that is a song. Like, I
1: hear something funny about that song though. So coming from like a, I don't know, probably a five or six year old Emily who, as you know, oh, doesn't always hear words correctly. Like, I don't hear the lyrics right.
0: Okay, before we get there, I, I do want to tell a quick story, because uh, Tim McGraw uh, is involved. We're at a Tim McGraw uh, concert. We were little. I mean, I think we were both in elementary school. I was seven. Yeah. Uh, and Tim McGraw has a song called That's Why God Made Mexico, and a seven-year-old... Which guarantee,
1: em- like, no one's ever heard of before. Come on. What?
0: It was... It was on his album he had just released at the time, so he was playing the album, whatever, but <laughs> little seven year old Emily thought he was saying that's why God made extra toes. Like six or seven steps toes. So this is this is absolutely no surprise to me that there's there's another song and I hope that there's every album we have this. This should be like a new feature. It,
1: oh. Well there's actually like two.
0: Oh gosh.
1: Well, I'll go with the the one that I, like, misheard. So in the song, she says she doesn't want a fantasy. But the way she draws it out, it sounds like fan to see. So I was more like, like a baseball fan, a basketball fan, a hockey fan. Like, what does she not want the fan to see? <laughs> um, so that was, like, a main one. And then also, as, like, a six-year-old girl growing up in, like, a town of... Not even a town, but you know, whatever in Wisconsin.
0: I didn't know that. (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) I grew up in whatever, Wisconsin.
1: (laughs) You know what I mean. The middle of of nowhere, yet somewhere. But I didn't know that there was a town called Boulder.
0: Oh jeez! So it was a I
1: really thought that this jackass left Joe Messina outside of a boulder, <laughs> like a giant, rock.
0: just on the side of the highway, just a huge. Yeah, like what?
1: Like like,
0: like Mount Rushmore or something like that?
1: <laughs> no, I just pictured a very big rock. That's all. So now that I'm. 26 years old, I can listen to the song and understand exactly what she's saying and exactly what she means, and I learned a little bit of, like, U.S. geography, too. Boulder is a city in Colorado, so there you go.
0: So, Emily, if you had put the age range where you finally figured that shit out, what would you put it at?
1: Oh, boy. Um, I think I I figured out Boulder was a city before I figured out fantasy.
0: (laughs) That might be sadder.
1: I know but whatever I don't I can't say when I figured it out because this was this album was my life for a few years probably from the age of like six to nine to ten and then I drifted and I don't know like when I came back to it necessarily but whenever I heard it later I figured out fantasy so that's that's my skeletons on this album that I didn't know if I was going to share with the folks today. <laughs>
0: And I'm gonna guess. I mean, this was an era before lyrics were readily available online, but they were putting them in some of the albums. You know, some of the yeah
1: in the CD and that's cases. What I wonder if like uh, I wonder if I have my Jody Messina CD somewhere yet. I almost feel like they mustn't have had the lyrics in this one, but I don't know.
0: That's what I'd be I thinking.
1: Where my CD is?
0: I feel like they wouldn't, because I feel like in that in that time. they did put the lyrics in you were all about it and sometimes they'd be jerks about it and only put like four of the songs lyrics in for whatever reason yeah Um, but wow all right so boulder uh she was left by a huge rock all right interesting i'm just keeping track of this crap wow because
1: the way she says it left outside of boulder but it kind (laughs) of sounds like uh And again, I didn't know that Boulder was a city. I just knew it was a rock.
0: But you you had known her previous album and song, California, Carolina. You knew the gist of that, at least, right?
1: Yes, I did know my states. There's a lot of cities in this country, so sorry.
0: (laughs) Baldy. Oh, gosh. I want to make a spoof video now. (laughs) Uh, So... One of the cool things is that she became the first female artist uh, in country to to score three multi-week number one singles from one album, which is kind of mind blowing.
1: The first, the very first,
0: yeah, in country music, right? That's cool.
1: I like. I won't stray too far, but I feel like country music needs to honor her more. I just feel like she gets doesn't get the recognition she deserves. Like, people always remember, like, of course, Shania and Faith and Martina, but, like, how do you forget Jody?
0: I think the only thing I could think of is that it was so quick, and then it was over. Yeah. That's the only thing I could think of, that it wasn't, you know, like... Maybe. ...multi, like, a full decade's worth of work. I don't know, but that's a good point. Do you remember... I mean I was there. I don't remember. was when they honored the you know the women of country music at the CMAs. Was she was she on there?
1: No. I don't I don't think she was. I'm like 95% sure she wasn't.
0: I don't think she was either cuz it was like Sarah Evans, Martina Gretchen Wilson. Yeah. But yeah.
1: thing. like she's in Nashville like she mm-hmm. she's on the Bobby Bones show. Yeah. A few times like I don't know, but I get that like the music she's doing now isn't mainstream and whatever, but still stuff like this, that they're going to honor like women of country. I mean, she'd be the first one on my list.
0: Is it, is it fair that her and Phil are pretty much like the male female equivalent of that time?
1: Yeah. Oh shit. You're right.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, it's Phil never gets mentioned with George Strait, (sighs) Kenny, Tim, and then before you know and he
1: it made them, yeah.
0: Right. And then you move into the next you know, mid to late two thousand, early two thousands, where all of a sudden it was like Jason L Dean started coming in, Blake, and you yeah. had this whole new, you know, era. But I just thinking about that now, I think they're I think those two are so similar with their careers how their careers panned out.
1: Yeah. And so I'm seeing Jody in concert in October, so I'm interested to see like what the demographics are going to be, and I hope people are as crazy as I am.
0: It's going to be Phil. It's going to be the exact.
1: It's going to be Phil, right? Is that it at the is it at the Meyer? It is. Yeah.
0: It's everyone's going to be literally in the exact same seat. It's it's. I'm convinced it's going to be the same, <laughs> the same crew.
1: Yeah, I I hope so because I do think there's like a cult following for those types of people.
0: Yeah. I, the thing with, yeah, I you make a good point. She's she's underrated. People don't talk about her as much as they should. She doesn't get honored as much as she should by the country music industry. Um, Just like
1: Kit Moore, she's literally like the Kit Moore of the nineties.
0: Yeah, yeah. There's those those artists that they're not in the. Okay. I mean, no offense, and when I say like the the top tier, I'm talking about the people that are selling out huge arenas, huge stadiums, yeah, that type of thing. But yeah, they're they're the ones they have they have radio success. They might not be rolling number one after number one, but they're a fixture in their in their time period that they're in, and that's that's what Jody was. She was the late '90s, early 2000s, and -hmm. for a lot of people, us included, that's the music we. Pun intended. We're raised on,
1: for sure. This album, definitely more
0: so than any other album. Uh, so one of the, looking at the singles. So the first three go number one. Then she releases "Lesson in Leavin', which is actually a cover, um, <laughs> originally recorded by Daddy West uh, in 1980 when it went to number one, and. Messina actually recorded the song as a tribute to Dottie, who died in 1991. Oh, which I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go down the rabbit hole of her death. But her death is kind of a crazy story. I don't want to sidetrack us too much, but go go Wikipedia that shit because it's okay. it's honestly it's something out of a, a a soap a soap opera. It's it's like a as the world turns or days of our lives kind of thing that honestly it's, it's, it's so sad, but it's something you're like, how did that happen? Yeah. Check that out and, and, and text me. Uh, yeah, it's, it's crazy. Um, so what are your favorite songs on the album?
1: Um, I do like them all, honestly. Um, the ones like I've mentioned, "No Time for Tears." For some reason, I listened to that song and I knew all the words to it, and I probably hadn't heard it in 20 years. Um, "Silver Thunderbird" is a cover as well, but I do like Jody's version of it. And um,
0: I didn't wait. Who originally? I didn't I know, don't know that.
1: I knew you were going to ask, but it's a cover of something. Just like if you type in "Silver Thunderbird," Jody Messina's name isn't the first one that comes up.
0: Oh, it's Mark Cohn and he wrote Walking in Memphis.
1: Oh, okay. So yeah, his song.
0: Interesting. I like that yeah. song too. And yeah. I know we're kind of in the hidden gems matchmaker area. I would it it has such a like a beachy groovy vibe to it. And mm-hmm. I'm like Kenny Chesney should record this
1: silver Thunderbird. Do you think so?
0: Yeah. Like I'm, I'm hundred percent set on it. I'm not saying it would like be a top hit for him, but there's something about it that I listened to it and I'm like this, like only Kenny could pull this off. I was racking my brain for a long time, but
1: <laughs> but they should change it to like a, a boat, <laughs> yeah. like I don't know types of boats, but like a silver.
0: The summer breeze, yeah,
1: <laughs> summer breeze. Oh lord, but yeah, okay. That's, I mean, you say it, and I can, I can hear it. I, I hear where you're coming from. Um,
0: So you and I, are we,
1: are we talk- yeah, play?
0: yeah. Let's do hidden gems matchmaker because for me, no time for tears. I would have loved to see this one and get a chance. At radio, and I know, obviously, they probably weren't going to release six singles off of this, but man, yeah. I who and I'm guessing this is probably one of your favorite hidden gems on the album too. But for sure, is there anyone that you were picturing like because this is I mean we talk about this every every episode like which song would be re, someone should take and record now, and this this is the one song so far out of the five episodes we're doing that I'm like holy shit this would definitely be a top five hit.
1: Yeah, but I don't, I don't know who I hear singing
0: it. I gave, and they're completely opposites, which is probably why I can't, it's hard to pinpoint who. Yeah. Because the song, the song, it's catchy. There's different pacing and different types of momentum. I think that's one of Jody's strengths too, is she didn't have that one defined sound and Mm -hmm. whatever, but, I thought Carly could potentially do it. Uh, it would have to be a little bit of a different spin. Um, but then also I'm like Lauren Elena just has this beautiful mm-hmm. powerhouse voice and she sings these ballads just out of this world, but she has these up-tempo, mid-tempo kind of songs like road less traveled ladies in the nineties. And I'm like, yeah, it just because of her voice. I'm like, if I'm going to trust it with anyone, it'd be, it'd be Lauren, I think. But, it's hard. Yeah. It's hard. She,
1: she could put some more like sass into it, um, but I heard I heard Carly in like um, "Stand Beside Me" or "Because You Love Me," like those slow ballads because mm-hmm. they both are like those like a little bit deeper alto voice. That's Carly's bread and butter, so she could like without a doubt I can hear her singing "Because You Love Me." Like, yeah, there's it. I can hear that.
0: That's a good point. I uh, man, how. How long in the past? I guess Jody Messina recorded this in '98, and one of the covers was from '80, so '18. Like they could, they could definitely record this now, right? It wouldn't be too soon.
1: No, I don't think so.
0: Uh, we, yeah. ne- we need to talk to Carly's people and get her to cover one of these.
1: <laughs> yeah. So I than that, I was thinking of who else I could hear. I mean, I feel like Ashley McBride might be able to do something, but. At the same time, I don't, um, just because I feel like her style is just a little different, just like so slightly different that it wouldn't work. Um, and then, just for like the fun, I would love to hear Carrie saying like "bye bye" or "I'm all right." I would just love that for my uh, own sake.
0: Just a mashup in a concert, going from one song to a next, oh, that'd be great. Right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. No. No time for tears. Like I. It's so good. I really wish so it would get a good. chance at radio. Like, that's... Uh, that's one that's like... Uh, I don't know. I also
1: find it interesting. Like, I don't know how much uh, people put into, like, the order of the songs on the album. But there's ten songs. And, like, the five that were singles. The first <laughs> song. The second song. The fifth. Sixth. And then the ninth. Like, usually, I'm for some reason... At least they did put like the stronger songs towards the beginning,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: I just like that this is all over
0: the place. Yeah, I, I don't know I don't know what goes into the order of an album. You know, I I mean, right. I think I would hope that it's they're trying to tell a story. I think my assumption is that's what like an Eric Church does on an album. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, maybe maybe honestly, maybe Jody Messina should release this to radio. Right? Maybe is she the best one yes. that should?
1: Absolutely. Honestly, yeah, don't mess with perfection. Let her rip.
0: And it's, and it's her comeback. Even yeah. if it's just her last time cracking the top 20, I, I, <laughs> I really think there's something with that song. I don't I don't even write it, I but know. I'm defending the crap out of it.
1: Like, <sighs> she did she did like her greatest hits album? I feel like far too soon. like she should do it now instead of I think she did it like what 2000 when it was her
0: yeah <laughs> when was that
1: oh 2017 so maybe I'm wrong but it just feels like from that there should have been more like let's uh, let's re-release this song from 1998
0: right like hey we're releasing a greatest hits album she's gonna go tour and yeah we really love this song and it's going to radio so fans get into it Mm-hmm. Hire us people, hire us.
1: Right. I know. Just put some good music. That's what like with all these albums we do. If they would just go back and realize, oh, we missed a gem on this album, let's put it back in today's universe. Yes. It would work. It would for sure work. This one especially.
0: Yeah, as long as as long as the artist feels like they can still relate to it and like would be willing to perform it in concert, like Yeah. Like, know.
1: you know how, I don't know if they're still going to do it. Was it the ACMs where it, they were going to bring back um, people and honor them? Like one year, like George Strait sang with mm-hmm. Miranda and Toby Keith came back. I forget who he sang with, but it's another one where like, i wanted to bring back Jody yes. And for them to sing bye-bye together and just get the crowd roaring. And I just want to see like Eric Church singing along to a Jodi Messina song. Basically is what I'm getting to.
0: Which you, knew you would want it to be? Bye bye.
1: Um. Yeah. Sure. Why not?
0: Now I'm gonna ponder which one Eric Church is singing with her on.
1: Hmm. There was like, I think I'm thinking of when they did like the Women of Country Music, and they had all those women out there, and then Sarah Evans came out and was singing um, "Born to Fly," and they they shot to Eric Church, and he's singing every word. I'm like. Mm-hmm. I just want to know that Eric
0: Church knows all the words that Joe <laughs> DiMoscato. <didn't see him. laughs> I'm, I'm sure he does. I'm, I mean, he's a Carolina guy. I'm sure he was hooked from her first single.
1: Oh, maybe. Or like, might give a damn's busted.
0: <laughs> yeah, there's, there's potential there. I don't think you put Church on anything. I don't think he's going to mess it up. True that.
1: True that.
0: So <sighs> that leads to the burning question. Yeah. When it comes to the metal stand, gold, silver, bronze, for Jody Messina out of her, all our her albums she's released, does this make the top three? And if so, where does it sit or stand on the podium?
1: Yes. So Jody had like good success early in her career. So I think we touched on it. Like her first three albums are probably her best ones. Agreed. Um, at least like from a commercial like sales standpoint as well. This one is like easily number one for me. Easily. I don't know how it's not.
0: Easily. It's
1: hmm. like the triple crown in baseball.
0: Oh wow.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: <sighs> so <laughs> <laughs> So i I come to this part as after I listen, and I'm like, it's definitely making the metal stand. I'm like it's number one easily, far and away, right yeah. and I'm like, you know what oh, i'm gonna you li- to burn, i'm like didn't you? I'm gonna listen to burn and, and it gets a lot of rave reviews, and I listen to it, and i'm like, I'm like, oh shit, so mm-hmm. that was what forty five minutes to listen to that one. then I came <laughs> back to the I'm all right, and I was going back and forth this is I was honestly doing this for probably like an hour and a half or so. And I just kept going back and forth. And I'm going to disagree with you a little bit. For for me, I think burn from start to finish has more quality songs that I like better from just as far as a volume goes, Uh but the smash hits and the more recognizable ones are on. I'm, I'm all right. So it's kind of this dilemma of like, you know, which one, you know, do you reward the the collection, which is the title of this podcast, for, you know, all 10, 11 songs on burn or the album that has five, six really good songs, in my opinion. So I was going back and forth on this, literally hour and a half, two hours. And similar to the 2008 Olympics, Jason Lezak... And the I'm All Right album comes from behind and snatches victory tree from uh, Burn. So I, too, I, too, would give it the gold medal. Uh, I, I think it's I, I think it's closer than you do. But um,
1: yes, but mine is coming from a place of nostalgia. That's fair. You know, I definitely get the Burn. Oh, my gosh, it's a great album. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for me, like sentimental, if I wanted to listen to some good songs that I know I'm going to like that are just, I don't know, easy listening, bring back good memories. It's going to be, I'm all right.
0: Yeah. And like another sports analogy, I was, I mean, cause I was, this was honestly kind of stomping me, <laughs> pissing me off. I'm like, I can't, I can't give a time. I'm like, do I flip a quarter? Like live doing the podcast, <laughs> but I'm like, you know, NBA fans, there's probably not many of them, but the the Detroit Pistons in the early mid two thousands, they won a championship. They beat the Lakers that had Kobe and Shaq. And it's like, all right, like they were good, but at the end of the day, I'm still gonna take Kobe and Shaq's champion championship season over like the Pistons. Like there's the star power so
1: are you comparing like okay, so I would say Kobe um would be the better ball player. So are you saying like is bye bye? Equivalent to Kobe as
0: I'm All Right is the equivalent to Shaq. Yeah, they were the the two singles that stood out on the album that definitely kept her momentum going. Because I think.
1: Which one do you like better, though? That's my question. If you had to choose between those two, which one would you pick?
0: Here's the thing whether it's Jodi Messina singing or Phil singing, (laughs) I, I have to listen to them back to back. It's just one long song for me.
1: Okay, all right, fair enough. Does he play them back-to-back?
0: Is that what he usually does? I, honestly, I don't even know. He probably doesn't. I don't remember. But I mean, I don't... Yeah. <laughs> but I'm a bunch. Uh, <laughs> but no, I think another thing, too, which we can get to the, the the overall thoughts here on the album. For me, she came out of the gates with uh, her debut single, and that one's number one. Uh, she followed up with... Uh, what was it? You're Not in Kansas Anymore? That Mm -hmm. that went to number seven. And there there were two after that, I think, burned out in, like, the 40s, 50s. So it was like she had the early momentum, and she was. it was kind of like probably the Sam Hunt thing where everyone was like, oh, my gosh, I love this song. Or I kind of think of it like Toby Keith, where we talked about it last episode. Should have been a cowboy. Got him out of the gate. But then there was kind of like, what is this? What's it going to be? And... I think for Jody Messina, this album made her a '90s icon, as far as country music mm-hmm. goes. Early 2000s. Uh, I think the thing that they did best, and props to Jody and Tim McGraw, is they picked the right songs for singles. Even though I'd love to hear "No Time for Tears" on the radio someday, I, th- <laughs> I think they, I think they absolutely nailed it yeah. when it comes to the singles. I think that's what stands out to me on this album.
1: Uh, right. So yeah. I agree. Yeah, I think so. I picked this album just because I wanted something that I knew I was going to like. But at the same time, I hadn't listened to this album like in its entirety probably since I was like a child. So I was glad that it held up. I was glad that it it was as good as I remembered, mm-hmm. and that I also remembered lyrics that I never like would have thought I remember. So I'm glad that it held up for my own personal sake and that now I just want to keep listening to it. Like, I don't need to listen to it just to, like, talk about it on this podcast. But right. I'm going to keep listening to it. Not that, like, bye-bye and I'm all right. Have always been on like my summer playlist, on my car songs, because they're great songs to jam to in the car. But some of these other ones, like um, like stand beside me. I, I'm not gonna let that one get away because now that I know all the words clearly, I can sing it with purpose and confidence. And <laughs> so yeah, there's just some other hidden gems that I forgot about, but that I will never forget about again.
0: No, and I think this album is unforgettable for Jordy Messina and all her fans and 90s country fans. So yeah, well this this was fun. Uh yeah. yeah, Um if you're listening to this, I probably made an edit uh to cut some audio out of a poorly timed joke. So um we'll we'll try to leave them in going forward, but that that was bad. Oh that was yeah. Uh but anyways, thanks for listening. Go listen to this album. Let us know what you think. I mean, I'd be curious to know where people think this lines up as far as the Olympic medal stand, if this is her gold medal or silver or, you know, whatever. But uh, I think
1: just like with Jody, with like, I would say like grab a, uh, some other women of like the late 90s country and compare them like those albums, you know.
0: Oh, you want to put Jody at the gold gold.
1: Well, I, it depends on the other albums. If you take like an early Martina or um, whatever hmm. album Faith had before, Breathe, you know, I would just like to see how it stacks up against um, what everyone else is listening to in the 90s.
0: Well, have to do that, we'll, we'll take all the winners and we'll take all the gold medal and second medal okay. albums after a year of doing this and we'll rank them.
1: Oh, boy, oh, boy. All right. I'm game.
0: All right. Well, for Emily. This is Aaron. Thanks for listening to the album collection. Hit the subscribe button. We're on Apple, Spotify, all of those things. Raised on the and we'll see you next time.